I really am tired of the boom and bust thing. And part of being able to navigate that, um, look, growth is important in, in, in mortgage, just in general. Like the more scale you get, the more power you have, right? It does give you leverage. Like some, I guess what I'm trying to say is I am less focused now on growing, even, even though before I, I used to believe that, that growth would give you some sort of sustainability. And I'm more focused. Like I would rather do a lot less volume, but do it in a way that positions me where I don't have to ride these cycles as extreme. Hey folks, I'm Clayton Collins, CEO at Housing Wire and your host for the Powerhouse Podcast. Today we are back with a repeat guest back from the housing news days, Mr. Phil Shoemaker. We've initially had Phil on when he was at HomePoint leading Originations, but today Phil serves as CEO of the loan store. And in this conversation, we learn about Phil's transition to the loan store in 2023, starting with a really small base and essentially building a startup independent mortgage bank focused on the wholesale market. Phil talks about his principles for leadership, the principles of building a business and a real focus on sustainability of building a wholesale independent mortgage bank that doesn't ride the booms and the bust. Phil is a phenomenal executive that has seen some incredible executive posts from Caliber to HomePoint to the Lone Store, really strong background in technology, which he has shifted to becoming an incredible production originations leader and now a CEO. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Phil Shoemaker, CEO of the Lone Store. Hey folks, we're here on a snow day in Dallas recording on MLK Day. Guest is Phil Shoemaker. Phil, welcome to Powerhouse. Hey Clayton, uh, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Phil, the the OGs of housing news know that you are a, a repeat guest. Um, my first and like one of the most memorable episodes of housing news was actually with you in person in our conference room at our old office in Las Colinas when you were still living down here in Texas. Um, feels like it was ago. right before I moved up to this uh, this this wonderful snow ridden place they call it Arbor. <laughs> and, and we're recording today when it's snow ridden here in dallas so i don't know yeah. maybe it's maybe it's bad luck i don't know but all right so for our audience members who didn't hear that episode five years ago um phil founding member at caliber several executive roles leading production and wholesale went on to be president of originations at home point and now serves as the ceo of the loan store and um, Phil, you've seen so many different aspects of the mortgage lending industry. And I was trying to frame up this conversation and prep. And um, as, a, as a compliment, I want to say you're still a very like young executive in the mortgage industry for the amount of experience that you have. And um, I'm so bullish on like what you're going to build as we look to the future. But I, I want to focus on some of the learnings that you've taken to, to this stage in in your career. Um, but the last couple, last couple of years have been wild. And as we were prepping for this, you, you know, were telling me about the build phase that, that you're in now at the loan store. So tell us, tell us about the loan store. How, how did this yeah. stage of your career come to be? Yeah. So, um, well, I want, I'll say I'm, I'm excited. I think I, I'm probably one of the, the few individuals right now in mortgage that can say that, like, I'm genuinely having a good time. <laughs> it's like, I can tell you, is a hell of a lot more fun building something than, uh, you know, than, than tearing it down. And then also being able to, you know, kind of put your own stamp on it. And so, um, yeah, so Lone Store, uh, just a quick recap on, on, on what the Lone Store is. So it was uh, a relatively small uh, a wholesale focused lender 
I think they're doing 10, 20 million a month. Um, when, uh, when we joined, uh, the, the focus of the loan store is to, is to really lean in on wholesale. Like, as you know, you know, I'm, I'm, a I'm a diehard wholesale fan. Like it, yep. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I like it or not. It's, it's what I've chosen. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it was your route. It was your route at Cal. I mean, at, I know caliber was diversified, but there was a point where you were leading wholesale. And then at home point, you guys killed the retail business and went all wholesale. Right. And so here we are again at a wholesale only focus. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's not, I've kind of learned to talk about this differently. It's not like a, you know, it's not like one channel is better uh, than another. It's really more in my, my, I'll say current view about being able to focus and be uh, really, really good at something. I do have my opinions as to, you know, wholesale being better for consumers. Cause I do think there's more alignment with the originator, right. Than, than there is in a retail setting, but not, not necessarily because retail is bad, you know, it's just choice. And so, um, we're all self-focused. I'm, I'm still, I'm still carrying that forward here. And, you know, I think the, the, uh, probably the best part about the loan stores one, you know, the, the team that we've been able to assemble just really, really good. And in, in, in all aspects of, of the word good. And that, you know, it's not only people that really understand, uh, mortgage, they're, they're, they're people that share my same, uh, I'll say bias towards wholesale, uh, but they're just, they're just genuinely just good people that have the right intentions. And, and so, um, the focus is, um, is very much on that. It's on culture is getting the right people together. And unlike I'll say in some of my prior experience, I, I have this, I have this new belief, uh, right or wrong. It's funny how like your, your view on the world just changes with every experience you have, but it's, it's neither good or bad. It just, it just, you just get a little better, right? You learn something. And, and, and from that, you start to take a different view and, and my current view is that, you know, if you if you look at the way this industry is wired, um, you know, the 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 I'll say influence that the government has on it, the agencies, the regulatory complexity, it just doesn't change that quickly. And and it and it definitely, you know, it's and I I, I think you know this about me, uh, Clayton. I'm, I come from a technology background, so it's it's a little weird for me to say what I'm about to say, but like. You know, I spent years like trying to automate people away and like figure out more efficient ways to do mortgage. And, and what I've, what I strongly believe now is that it, it's while efficiency matters and cost structure definitely matters. The most important thing is just, is just making loans, uh, uh, doing, being really good at making loans, uh, doing them with high quality, doing them with a, a customer service first mentality. And, and I think, you know, cause I've been in scenarios where it's like, you're trying to balance the, you know, building a business and the, 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 I'll say the human nature aspect of mortgage where you're dealing with all these complexities, right? Real estate agents, LOs, and there's so much emotion and customer service and being able to deliver when people's paychecks are on the line is very, very important, you know, but having to balance that with efficiency and trying to do things cheaper, better, faster in, and oftentimes where that leads you is down a path thinking that there's some sort of like, you know, silver bullet technology solution out there. And I just don't think there is. I think, I think it's, it, it's a commoditized industry that we are operating in. We're all competing against, uh, you know, selling a commodity and, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to be popular in saying this, but I don't think there's any advantage to technology. There's a bar for sure, right? It's, it's kind of table stakes or there's a barrier to, you know, cost of, of uh, entry. Like there's a level you have to, you have to hit, but trying to, div to differentiate yourself through tech at the expense of 
losing that customer service, communication, speed, focus, you know, in terms of just the complexity uh, and, and being able to resolve all the insanity that comes up in a mortgage loan. I, I just don't, I don't think there's, there's anything out there that makes sense. And so our focus is, Hey, look, we're going to be where we need to be on tech. We've partnered with some really good partners that have agreed to support us in building a platform that will be competitive in wholesale, but I'm no longer trying to create any sort of technology advantage. I just want to be really good at making loans and I don't have to, you know, strive towards any sort of volume goal or anything. I just need to be profitable and around for the long term, you know, which is, it's kind of a fun place to be, you know, it's like, it gives you a little more, I, I think, flexibility to, to do things the right way. Well, let's talk about like <clears throat> technology strategy at different scales. So like your prior organizations, I mean, I don't remember how big was Cal, how many, like from a headcount perspective, how many people were at Caliber at like peak level, like, like 10,000, oh, right? It was pretty big. Yeah. I, can't, I mean, it's probably four five six thousand is a little different right because there there's so much there's a lot of distributed retail yeah there but yeah both, both caliber and home point you know they're fairly large companies so but you when know, you think and, about like does your view as an executive and you're thinking about like all right how do i make technology improvements that like move the needle when you're at a at a scale where you have five thousand employees and x billion in origination volume do you take a different mindset on technology um and then, then like, and like compare that to where you are today with, with, uh, TLS. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think there is, there definitely is a mindset shift. Look, you, when you're smaller and you can be more nimble, you have the ability to, to, to do things differently, right? It, the larger you get, the more bureaucratic things become, the less forgiving things are, the more, uh, rigid you become because the structure almost, almost mandates it. But I, I think, and this is just more, me saying like my my personal belief like i used to constantly drive towards some sort of like technology value prop right where it's like you can you can you know throw some tech out there that somehow differentiates you from the competition and while not to say there's not things that people do different technically that that give them a great marketing talking point i guess the point i'm trying to make is a big or small I personally believe that the most important thing is you got to just be really good at making loans. And, and, and especially if you want to be a purchase centric lender, which is really what we're building TLS around is like, we want to be able to handle the complexity and all the nuance that comes up with speed and with, with the right level of service. And it's very hard to automate that. It's all, and I mean, I've tried multiple, multiple times and I failed miserably almost at, almost at, um, you know, a, a pretty, yeah, healthy hit to the business because the more you start to lean in on efficiency and doing things in a streamlined way, here's the thing that requires consistency, right? And so the more consistency you build into your process and, and, and do things through tech, the more it takes you away from your ability to be dynamic in how you support your, your, the consumers and our brokers, right? In these very, very complex transactions, especially in the purchase market. And until there's some sort of fundamental shift in how our industry works, because all of this comes down to you have Fannie and Freddie, uh, you know, on the back end that that set the rules, and you have these massive, you know, amounts of regulation, uh, both at the state and federal level, <laughs> that you have to constantly comply with. And and the reality is, you know, look, it's funny. I'll go back. I remember, you know, one of the first things that I did in my career uh, uh, was to build an online locking system and build an online 
10.03, right? Where it was awesome, right? We thought we had like come up with something really, in fact, it's funny, a friend of mine, uh, Lyra Wagner, I think you know, she's the CIO of Movement. Yeah, she sent out this flyer the other day. It was this old like marketing pitch of the company we were at. <laughs> it's just like, it's funny to look back at like some of the things that we thought were cool because now they're just like table stakes. I mean, like, you know, people got excited, uh, companies like Blend and like, oh, there's, you know, all this like streamlined application that, that, that will somehow make it better for consumers to take a nap. And at the end of the day, it's just a freaking 1003 and it hasn't really changed. And I'm going on year 28 in 28 years of business. Like the way you take an application, the automation around that, you know, hasn't really changed. And so I, I think, look, more power to people that think they can change the industry with tech. Like it, my, my focus is going to be on, on handling complexity. And if that leads me to, you know, TLS is, is, uh, you know, a, a top 10 lender or a top three, I could really care less, man. I just want to, I want to be really good at making mortgages. I want to be able to navigate these cycles in a more sane way. I'm tired of the boom and bust stuff and, and run a company with a long-term mindset. That's my goal. It kind of feels like, you know, a few cycles in and the only thing that moves this industry really quickly is a change in interest rates. Yes. Um, the, the technology might be what gets the buzz, but it's rates that can actually move the change things on a dime. Uh, that's right, man. It, it honestly, it really is. And when you have this, like this kind of messed up dynamic too, where, and this is also why I think you don't see really ever any innovation take hold and have longevity unless it's driven by the agencies. The only, if you look at the only innovation that we've ever really see take hold, like things like day one certainty is because the Fannie and Freddie behind it. Right. But outside of that, the problem you have is, is look, I feel bad being a vendor in this industry must be horrible. Right. Because you, you're, you're in time. And that's why if you look at the vendors out there that are successful, it's because they've just aggregated a whole bunch of, of scale. Right. So the, you know, starting out is very risky as a tech vendor and mortgage, but the issue that you have is when when the refis are here and times are good and you got thick margins and everyone's willing to spend money, you're also too distracted by just the onslaught of loans that you're getting. So it becomes very hard, right, as a lender to 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 really uh, devote the focus and energy you should be devote, devoting. And then when the refis go away and the purchases are here, you don't have any money. <laughs> it's just, so you never really like build any serious momentum around technology because of the cycles. No, I mean, rewind uh, spring 22. Like we had some very real conversations with some of the tech and software players out there that, Hey, like our lead gen funnels are working great, but none of these lenders have time to actually implement or sign a contract. So like, man, I, I really hope the market slows down a little bit. So some of the lenders will actually have bandwidth to like do some of this innovation they've been planning toward. Like that, uh, that, that, um, didn't really work out the way everybody planned. No, no. So I just, I don't know if it's just old age. Like I'm becoming my grandpa that shakes his fist at the, you know, the young kids, but it's like, man, I just, uh, I'm all about focus these days, man. I, that's, that's the thing. And it's like, and I think that it, and again, if you, if you think about like the problem is you start going down this path where, you know, going back to that lenders and how they invest in the cycle, they invest if you're not really all the way in and you invest in things and you don't get the return you're expecting, now you have a cost issue. Right. And so, which comes back to kind of our strategy here. I mean, I, um, I really, while I agree that we need to be at par with the technology standpoint, I'm not investing anything above and beyond that. Um, because that's, I think, you know, 
what I've learned is the cost structure is just, it's just so incredibly important. And, and, and if you don't you know, someone very, uh, one of my mentors and I, I kicked myself because I should have learned this lesson Clayton, like 10 years ago, but I remember he said, it was Joe Anderson. He was the, one of the CEOs of caliber. And he used to say, um, you know, the time to watch expenses is when times are good. Right. Um, and, and, and I didn't fully appreciate that like uh, until this last cycle, because the, the problem is when you're, when you're building a company and your margins are really thick, right? If, if, if you're not building it the right, the inflexibility that just overall people have to think about things differently is, it's very hard to change mindset, you know? And so you, you, you really need to kind of instill that and keep, keep that discipline regardless of the cycle, because you just can't change it. And this is, this is, if I look around every mortgage bank right now is having this issue, right? There, if you go back to 2020, you know, in 2021, you know, a lot of people that thought they were like special <laughs> and granted some people are special, but I would, I would say, and I'll put myself in this category. Most people are not right. The, the market does not make you, you know, brilliant, right? You're, it's, it, it, it's the market. And so I, I think too many people in this industry don't admit that and don't, don't, you know, I'll say manage with that mindset. And I'm, I'm definitely one of them, man. It's like, I I've gone through this now a few times and I'm hoping that's the last lesson. Last time I've had to learn that lesson, <laughs> this cycle. All right. We'll double click on that lesson a little bit more, but all right. So, so Phil to set the stage. So la it was last year when you came into TLS, correct? Yes. So at the, I was checking out the, um, the business and, and Modex. And like, as you came in, it was like 20 million in origination volumes. So you're starting from like a really small, really small platform. So like, tell us about this transition into like me, essentially being like a startup IMB executive. Like, like how did, how did that day one look? And then like, what, what have you had to like knock down to start like building this business to where you want to be? Yeah. It's, oh man. Okay. We can talk about this for hours, man. So one, I've done, I've done this startup thing now a few times. And, 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 uh, this is probably taking me back to my roots. Cause this is probably the most startup I've had to operate in, in, in a while, right. Since maybe the early days of caliber, but, um, you, you just, it, you start, you really appreciate the complexity of, of, of what you're doing. Cause you, you can't have, you know, what I, what I fully appreciate now and I love, I mean, part of why I'm having so much fun is there's not really any area of our business that I'm not like like extremely important, right. At a, at a very low level, you know, and I have the ability to do that because we're, you know, we're only doing a couple hundred million a month. And so it's a little easier to get your hands dirty when you're, when you're at that level, but you, what I've learned is you can't, well, one, it really is about alignment. And, and so I spent a lot of my time. Um, I, I don't want to say like being the, you know, psychologist of the company, but just, just helping people to, to understand the goals and making sure that everyone is really moving towards the same goal, because it's very easy, uh, even when you're small to, to become misaligned on what you're trying to do. And especially it's more important. It's I'll say, I think it's important, I, I guess at any size, but it's critically important for me because, you know, we, we have every ounce of energy we put into something has to translate to, to value, right? Because so, when you're a startup and you're operating in that mindset, you know, to have any sort of risk of like spinning your wheels on something that doesn't actually translate into to value add to the company is a, is a dangerous thing. And so um, I've really enjoyed, to get back to your question, um, 
being this hands-on. And I think that, that, uh, probably the lesson, one of the lessons I learned at, you know, in, in, in the last, I'll say 10, 15 years is you just can't, you can't ever let yourself not be this. Like I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. I think it's really, it's really, so we have these principles that we rolled out. And I, this is actually something I learned, you know, I really took away from Willie, uh, you know, home point. He was very big on, on this, on, on alignment and getting people on the same page and principles. And I, I used to think it was kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, I kind of laugh at it a little bit, like this is fluffy, fluffy stuff that really doesn't add value, but it does. It adds so much value. And so being able to, as a leader, to be able to kind of set that stage and create the alignment, I'm finding that that's one of the most, you know, effective things of, of, of my role, right. Is, is if I get people aligned, the speed at which you're able to execute and move and the things you can do, you know, so to, to go back to your point, you know, we were, when we joined, we were doing tw- uh, 20 million a month or so just conventional. I mean, and now we've rolled out all the government, uh, you know, products. We rolled out a whole suite of non-agency products. We rolled out HELOC. We've, you know, completely retooled our, our, our front end back end process. We're almost done uh, uh, by the, uh, prime middle this month will have like self-serve disclosures done and like some of the, the the tech that was missing. And I'm doing this all with a very small tech team and a lot of really hands-on managers that, that are able to short circuit, you know, the time and the bureaucracy that you normally see from someone that understands the problem to, to communicating that to, you know, to someone, you know, that ultimately has to build a solution, you know? And so it's, um, I'll be honest, I, I've been like in this phase before, and then I've been in like the transition phase where you're becoming a big company and I've been in the big company phase. And so I've, I've you know, there's parts that I've enjoyed about each of those phases, but I, I think the startup phase, what I'm hoping I can accomplish Clayton is I never want to leave this phase. Like I always want to operate with this startup mindset because damn, you move quick and it's so much fun. So what are the core principles that you're, instilling today that help you maintain some of this startup DNA as the organization scales? I love it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull up my deck. Okay. If if you'll indulge me, I'll give you some of them. So number one, okay, we operate sustainably. Profitability and quality are always our top priority. And, and, and here's kind of what I mean on that. That's really, um, that's really thinking about things from a long-term perspective is there's sub bullets that I could go into and take too much time, but, but really making sure that all the decisions that you're making, you're thinking about the downstream and future consequences of what they mean to you in this market and the next one. Right. And that's the piece. It's, it's, it's easy for me to say this, but it's very, very hard to execute and implement in practice. And, and I think a lot of people would probably agree with that statement. Um, so sustainable lending operations. I mean, that flows a lot into to pricing. Like you're not willing to to buy market share by being too low today, but like you're also thinking about how pricing impacts like your the value of your servicing rights and like other like downstream implications. Like that's 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 right. So it's just like you gotta you gotta like I guess I guess the way kind of we think about it is we have a very specific look if you look at wholesale like uh while I believe wholesale is the best channel for the consumer. And as we've established, you know, in prior conversations, I'm, uh, it's where I'm focused. I'm a big fan of it. It's also like, a, you know, I mean, it's a bitch to, to compete in wholesale. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one of the competitive most competitive market. 
it's one like where brokers come and go like yeah man it is so freaking cutthroat and, and you got the main incumbents you know i mean they're 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 playing to win uh and i've been competing against these these guys and gals for a while and 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 look you got to give it to to uh, uh to the top guys right now i mean they got there for a reason right and and i think they probably understand a lot of my the principles i'm probably late to the party on some of the stuff but but yeah, I think um, uh, if you look at wholesale specifically, look, I, what I don't want to do is I, I really am tired of the boom and bust thing. And, and, and part of being able to navigate that, uh, um, look, growth is important in, in mortgage just in general. Like the more scale you get, the more power you have, right? It does give you leverage, but it, you also need to be very mindful. Like some, I guess what I'm trying to say is I am less focused now on growing even, even though before I, I used to believe that that growth would give you some sort of sustainability and I'm more focused. Like I would rather do a lot less volume, but do it in a way that positions me where I don't have to ride these cycles as extreme, right? Because it's, it's very damaging culture wise to, to build your company up and then the refis go away and you have to fire a bunch of people. You know, that, that's a model that a lot of people execute and, and it's effective and it will continue to be effective but I also don't think it's sustainable from a culture standpoint. You know what I mean? Uh, number two, right? We serve our customers. The answer is always yes and never no. And so what I mean on that is it always drives me nuts when people just say, no, we can't do that. Right. It, it's, it doesn't mean you, you say yes to stupid things. I mean, you can always say no by saying yes, or you could say, yes, we can do it. And here's what we need from you to do this. Right. And, and if, if, you know, if a condition can't be met or something, then, then great. But having that mindset where you're actually trying to make things happen versus always going, and that is a mindset that a lot of companies fall into where they get this negative mindset and it's just immediately, you know, there's no creativity anymore when you, when you approach it from the negative, right? If you're approaching it from the positive, you keep that creativity in play. Uh, principle three, everyone is accountable. Uh, when you see a problem, take ownership of a solution, regardless of it being your problem. I hate it when someone says, oh, that's this person's deal over here. I'm going to send it there. And then a, two weeks later, I get an email that says it's still not taken care of. And then this person's saying, why well, send it over? Here. It's like, no, it's like you see a problem, fix it. And that very much is a mindset cultural thing that starts with, it starts with the CEO is what I've, you know, Willie was good at that. I'm trying to carry that through, but um I, I will say that that one of the things I really enjoy about TLS is I've yet to find someone that's not willing to pick up. I mean, we was hilarious when we joined. I remember our our uh, CFO, right? He was like staying up, you know, because we onboarded like a hundred people, you know, in in like a month, and he was staying up till like I don't know, four or five, six o'clock in the morning, like setting up logins and stuff. It's like that's awesome. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like roll up your sleeves, you know, toilet paper in the bathroom needs changing, you know, I'll do it. Like that's, that's kind of the mindset there. And that's actually kind of the leads in the second, the fourth principle, we're all doers. Right. And so I think that part of what happens when you grow as a company is it's really easy to become infected with people that view their job, their role as telling other people what to do. And once you get there, it becomes very hard to move quickly because now you have the telephone game in play, you know? And if you think about like large scale organizations that get really big, I mean, you might have, you have this mindset where, where, where people don't like, they start 
they start seeing their own value is is how many people they manage and 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 they they stop becoming a productive member of of the team and i just don't i don't think actually that's good in any company i, I think i'm I, I am i am my nature is i am i am biased towards action almost to a level that maybe is not healthy <laughs> so i've i'm learning to channel that into an organizational structure that 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 can move quickly but also do so in a in a very methodical thoughtful way um that's number that's number four number five teamwork and alignment first uh so we win as a team not as individuals you know so i've again seen too many instances where it's not a competition man it's like it's not about like one person getting something over another or being it's like especially in mortgage i do you either win as a group or or you or you don't like there is no like one group wins you know and so alignment's really important uh, next one, we are nimble, right? So moving, moving quickly, right? And th- this is a, what'll happen is people get so stuck in what they know, they stop thinking about the, the art, you know, what's possible, right? And so constantly thinking about, all right, you know, just because you're in your comfort zone, right? Doesn't mean things can't be done uh, different. And, and what I've learned actually it's really important for me to, to give people grace on this because what'll happen is it's okay. Like if you, if you're too punitive on people, like, like they got to be perfect. And if they make a mistake, you're, you're too harsh on them. You you start to lose that ability to be nimble because people go into CYA mode, right? So they, they're more concerned about, about the optics of not making a mistake than they are about the optics of speed. And so part of this is like, you know, Mosh was like, Hey, make mistakes, you know, learn the lesson and just don't make the mistake again, you know, and, and, and we celebrate that in kind of an odd way, you know, when people make a mistake and learn from it, um, that's how you stay, you stay nimble. And that's, again, that's how we've, we've moved as quickly as we're moving. I mean, it's, it's really incredible to see. And then the last thing is we have fun. You know, it's like, I, I am, I'm, I'm kind of done with this, um, you know, life's too short, man. I, I, again, I don't know. So my kids are, my kids are getting older. You know, they're almost, my son's about to go to college. My you know, daughter doesn't like me anymore. Like she's in that phase. And like, I, I, I've come to realize like, there's just so many, so many sleepless nights I spent like worrying about useless things that, that never were something I should have worried about. And so just keeping people kind of grounded and like, Hey, like, don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun at what you do. Um, and you actually can, can control that. Like, that's the other thing too, is this is a personal accountability thing. Like, like my emotional well-being or anyone's emotional well-being on a team is your own personal responsibility. And if you're not having fun, you know, the onus is on you to raise your hand and figure that out. So right now you're in a pretty like talent rich market and mortgage. There's a lot of people out there available as you bring new people into the organization who may have come out of organizations that had a, a CYA mentality. The mindset wasn't right. They just went through a massive headcount reduction. Like how do you bring people in, reinforce the principles, make sure they're having fun and that the culture doesn't get diluted as you start to scale volume. Excellent question. Um, this is something too that I've really debated with Willie. Too. Willie Newman, by the way, is on our board now, um, and so we, you know, he's he he's uh, 
what I found is it's really lonely being the CEO. And it's, it's good to have people. You can That's why I host the powerhouse podcast. It's I like, talk to CEOs. It really is, man. It's like, I, I, I found myself like, man, like I, you know, and even like, cause I was, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with, with Willie at home point. I don't, I don't think I fully appreciate it. Like you almost have to be in the seat before you can appreciate the, um, the stresses and how, how isolating it is. But uh, to, to, to go back to your question, um, well, one, uh, you do kind of need to make it fun. So we have this thing that I call the zero asshole factor. And, and so we, we, I try to, in a way that is, you know, pretty black and white around the type of people we want to hire, uh, but also is kind of, you know, fun. We talk about that a lot on town halls and things like that. And we get, you know, I think getting perspective, multiple perspective on, on people is important and trying to hire people that are maybe known entities. Um, and, and I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, at my scale and how fast it's kind of a function of speed and how fast you go. Right. And so the, the, the problem is if, if you move quickly and you're, you're growing quickly, it because it's re- very easy to lose control over that. And you start to, cause you, you have to, I mean, you're delegating these, these authorities, the decisions to hire down. And, and I think what I've, it kind of counteracts with like the, the bias to action thing. Like you want to, yes. like when the opportunity's there, when the market's knocking, you want to, you want to grab and you want it to be taking action. But at the same time, it's, it's difficult to be thoughtful and come back to the principles and reinforce the things that got you to that, like um, that inflection point where you actually can like have a bias to action and grow, 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 grow. I, you're, you're exactly. And this is, this is, again, this is tough for me because I, 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 at times, you know, if I look back at Home Point, look back at Caliber, you know, where we grew extremely fast and it made sense, right? Financially, it was the right thing to do. But in hindsight, you you do, there is no way to do that and protect your culture is kind of where I, I, I've kind of come to realize it's like, I would rather grow, I would rather, I would rather uh, forego some of the opportunity in a market and grow uh, in a way that allows you to protect. Cause it really, it really is about the people, dude. Like it, it's like mortgage banking is about the people and alignment. And, and if you look at the, the really good, I'll say main incumbents out there. Um, I do think that's part of what they figured out a little different than the model I'm trying to execute. But like, if you create alignment with the people and you either do that because you have a lot of structure and process and you can take any type of person in and you can make them work in your environment. Great. Uh, uh, that works. Right. Or you need to be able to do it uh, just very methodically and very, be very selective on, on who you, you, you bring in. And so I, I'm the model I'm executing is I want it to be about people. And it's very important that we have the right type of person with the right attitude which means you, you kind of can't miss on the stuff. Like you got to be a little slower to grow. Let's talk about the mar- the wholesale market for a minute. So you're serving brokers, the wholesale market um, has, has had a lot of growth the last few years. I think as more volume has shifted to, to purchase, there's been more people entering the broker channel. There seems to be some market share growth in comparison to, to retail. What are you seeing in the wholesale, wholesale market? How do you want uh, TLS to fit into that, that pie of the the wholesale pie. Like give us, give us a view there. Yeah. So, um, I, 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 uh, believe the wholesale market will continue to, to grow. Uh, and I think, um, I think the reason for that is I think it, it is finally starting to 
you know, there, if you go back like five, 10 years ago, somewhere there, there, it post the financial crisis, there developed this narrative. And I, quite honestly, I used to be part of it when we were building retail where a lot of the, the retail players would really sell against that model. And, and the, the way they'd sell against it was you lose control, you, you lose support, you lose all these things that really scare the hell out of originators. And I think what you're finding now is just because even though the, the, the pool of lenders has shrank uh, in wholesale, if you look at the, the main incumbents and you look at the lenders around that, um, it's, a, it's actually a really good model to support originators. You have diversity in products, you have uh, systems that have been put in place that allow uh, a more responsive, you know, communication where, you know, you know, like, for example, what we're building, you know, we're, our goal is we want to be good at, at, we never want to miss a purchase, right? So if you're having an issue, you know, our underwriters are very open and communicative, you know, there's these things that, you know, that, uh, that lenders have figured out that I think have totally, you know, taken that argument out of play and, and, and then add into that, I think that, you know, so one of the things we're working on to this little early stage, I haven't really talked about in a public forum, but I do want to help make brokers. And so we're, we're creating a model where we can incubate brokers and we can, and it's not because I want all their volume. I, in fact, it's, it's the opposite. I think that part of what makes them successful is diversity. Um, it, but I do think rising tide raises all ships. And so the, the, the bigger, uh, I'll say all wholesale lenders can can do to you know collectively work together to to bring more people into the channel. The more successful wholesale um, will be, and I think that also includes. I think there should be more wholesale lenders. You know, so I think that that uh, you have seen some contraction that that I think is not good, and and I think you see startups, TLS being one of them. I'm I'm rooting for. Them. I mean, it's like you know, we need more wholesale lenders, not less. When you talk about creating more brokers, you think talking about bringing people into the industry or the retail to to wholesale um, switch over. Like, how are you thinking of that uh, strategy playing out? Yeah, it's it's bringing people into the industry, and so we're we're working on creating a, a services entity that would help bridge the gap. Because a, a lot of what happens when when people you know, and it happens at all levels. It can be it can be an individual LO, it could be a group, a branch, it could be a region, right? I mean, it's like I'm personally working on a few. Uh, fairly large scale migrations from retail to, to wholesale uh, right now. And, and the thing that's typically scary is they don't, I mean, think about it, like a lot of these are, 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 are production centric people that have never had to worry about payroll or benefits or, you know, accounting or any of the, you know, the, the, the stuff that's really not that sexy or fun about mortgage, right? They've never had to worry about that. And so, so that's usually the barrier uh, to entry, and, and and what you're seeing is there's a lot of um, the where the, a lot of the migration has come from is you do have certain you know there's a small a cell smaller population of people that have have come in or are coming in that have that level of sophistication, but then you have this larger population uh, that is either an impediment or what they're doing is they'll join one of the super brokers right because you you do have a lot of these large broker networks they almost operate like um, like a traditional like re- uh, uh, real estate brokerage, right? Where it's like a, a real estate agent or an LO, right? Can come in and hang their license and start doing business. And so I think the the ad the I'll say the reintroduction because this used to be a concept that existed, you know, a while ago. But of the super broker that makes it easier for LOs to make that move, 
has helped. Um, our goal is to is to 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 be something in between, where where for the 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 individual or the group of people that want to make the move, they're not interested in being part of a student. They want their own brand, but they also don't have that sophistication. That's kind of the 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 strategy. And I I'm I, I may I may or may not know this, but I know other lenders are working on this. Like it's it, it's a it's a good thing for the industry. The more brokers we can bring into it. And it's you should have Katie Sweeney on. I know you talk to her quite often, but she's got some great data and analytics around you know wholesale and the benefits of wholesale to minorities and and you know underserved communities and and um, you know low income housing and things like that. I mean the stats. If you go back to to, to you know 2015, the stats on wholesale from a credit quality standpoint from a the the penetration in underserved communities it's just it's it's eye opening you know and, and and I don't think this is really well understood and and I think that this is something that really still to this day bothers me I, I've I've given up on it because I I just realized it can't be my fight but I'm going to support her and other people but this whole concept of the capital rule and 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 you know putting wholesale at advantage because it somehow is is more risky is is something that does need to change eventually. I think the regulators and the FHF and fan they'll they'll figure it out. But it's just like it is a little frustrating that like this there's this there's this channel that is growing that is so much better. That it, it, just just objectively you can see in the data at accessing some of the things that they find important, i.e. low yep. income housing. <laughs> and yet they're penalizing it, you know, financially. You know, it's it's it to me it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But I, I think you know, at some point, someone's yeah. Well, that's a great. <laughs> you got you got to report on it more, Clayton. Report on well, that. Uh, that's a great Good suggestion, deal. and we will have Katie on. Well, Phil, that is a, a wrap for today. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing more about your story, and uh, giving us a glimpse into this exciting path that you are building for the Lone Store. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Always enjoy it. All right, boom. We'll talk to you again soon. 